Just as uh, Isa said your name, you appeared. I'm trying to get my headphones. Hey, how you going, Isa? <laughs> good, alhamdulillah. We, I said your name and then you appear. Oh, very good. <laughs> if we didn't study all those Kitab al-Tawheed when we first became Muslim, we could link that to something. But because we're so such fundamentalists, it's just a, it's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> MashaAllah. Look, I'm just going to need to connect my headphones so I can hear you better, okay? Just give me a second. Good setup you got there in the background, bro. Yeah, he's got the pious. He's got the pious background. You know the YouTuber pious background. <laughs> the the standard know, setup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like everyone's got the my bookshelf is my bookshelves. Yeah, yeah. They're they're over there, so I don't have it behind. Yeah, me. yeah. Yeah. Where's yours? Is yours hidden? You got a box no, no, there. No, somewhere right? else. Um, <laughs> observing the box, yeah. <laughs> when I uh, when I was in Riyadh, I went to one brother's house, and I said I said to him, "Oh, what's this book?" Right. And then he said, and I said to him, "Have you read this book?" And he said, "No, I've never read the book. It's it's a reference." I said, "How can it be a reference if you don't know what's in it?" You know, it was a it was an ignorant question, but actually it was a stab at him because he had all these mm. books. And I kind of said to myself, I'm never going to buy a book unless I read it because mm. it just, it's a, I mean, so what, like a, lot of, a lot of these publishers, they're just about making money, aren't they? And, and it just becomes, you know, I could, so I've done that. Like even if I have a 16 volume work, I make sure I try to read everything from it. Yeah. It, it's a long, lots of stories when it comes to books and, you know, students collecting books i think it's more of a status symbol rather than anything else it yeah it's not even because there's people who have a culture of there is a culture of buying books and reading them like you have book people there's actually there are people that are book nerds and they love books and they that's their thing like people who are stamp collectors and you know but with the students of knowledge sadly yeah it's like they have all these prints and and uh, and like it, it takes away even from the book like for example they, they're always discussing what's the best print of this book or that book i mean how many mistakes you know can a book have you you end up leaving the purpose of buying fath al-bari or whatever al-muhalla or whatever book you buy you leave the purpose of buying it it just becomes part of you know the look of it and the the tahqiq and it, yeah it, it it, you can go on for I can go on for ages. Yeah, right I'm sure you can. <laughs> Sorry. Sure you can. Uh, but uh, I don't want to leave Abdul Shahid uh, lonely by himself while we have our own private discussion. So in any case, bro, it's good to have you both here on the same time, uh, you know, all together at once. We're having some kind of challenges getting together and organizing a time and everything like that. So it's good, alhamdulillah. Finally, we're all here together. And uh, I guess making the most of COVID-19 restrictions. So I guess the reason why I wanted to have this particular discussion was, particularly after Eid, was you know a lot of people, specifically born Muslims, don't really have a concept as to what the challenges are that are faced by reverts, such as yourself. So any thoughts about this particular topic? Is it something that we need to, as, as born Muslims, is it something that we need to think about more clearly? I would say from each new Muslim to the other, there's, there's different scenarios, different stories. I, for me, I think I had it easy. So 
<laughs> if I was based on my experience, I'll say, yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> I also became Muslim in the 90s, 1990s, last century. So it was like, um, it was like people become a Buddha and, you know, check out, explore different cultures. And I'm like, oh, I became Muslim. And they're like, oh, okay. So um, it wasn't that big a deal back then in a sense. It was like, you've just discovered some new culture. So people mm. that became, say, post uh, 2001, there might be a different type of scenario for them. Yeah, and you're specifically choosing that date for a reason. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying just as one example, there's probably people with different backgrounds, different scenarios. So for me, I would say I had it easy. Alhamdulillah. I just mm. was young enough. I was still sort of, you know, exploring the world to a certain extent. And then when I became Muslim, I think it was just uh gets got better and better it's just a great i didn't have the challenges that so many people have so straight away i started finding where the where the classes were uh where the the active people were just to try and get some you know encouragement and things like that so there was a lot of doors opened up for me whereas um i know it's not the same for every new muslim yeah so that's my <laughs> that's my take on it it's different to someone else i'm not sure about isa's background did you find that your family members began treating you differently after 2001? No. Yeah, you could say I've got four siblings, all older than me. But they may have been uh, not treating me different. Uh, that's hard to say, really. I would just say they don't know much about Islam to start with. So definitely the media does have that negative vibe to it when certain events happen. So it does change their perception or enhances what they think is you know the truth okay. that's all i can say yeah any ideas about that uh Isa? yeah no nah. uh, is that what it's, i forgot yeah, what i've written on the Allah. yeah good <laughs> okay so myself also i embraced this Islam before that date so and i was in a culture of um or i was I was in the music scene, so there is there there is a kind of um, when people. I did not know that. <laughs> you did it at all? I didn't know that. That's surprising. You didn't? You I didn't. didn't. No, I didn't you... no idea. <laughs> I thought. Okay, I remember. Anyway, so okay, so there's there was there's a kind of attitude when someone does something or such such reading philosophy or reading. Uh, into Eastern religions. It's, it's a, in certain parts of the music scene that I personally was in, it's kind of, it adds to the status or it's kind of trendy. So um, becoming Muslim, uh, uh, it wasn't seen as something, um, there was some backlash from certain friends, but I didn't have uh, the certain challenges that I see in some new Muslims that I didn't have. Also one of the advantages too, that a number of my friends from my high school embraced Islam at the same time. And I connected with people such as Abdul Shaheed and other brothers quite early. Uh, so I, there were certain challenges. I think I was too busy also to really uh, reflect on bouts of loneliness. One of the challenges I think to not just, yes, there is, there is definitely bouts of loneliness, especially when, for example, a Muslim stop, stop, a new Muslim stops doing things that he previously used to do um, because they contain maybe elements that he wants to avoid as a Muslim. And then 
uh, not having alternatives, but also sometimes one of the, okay, I think the loneliness actually comes from, for example, if someone embraces Islam, they become a, uh, a small celebrity within their community or they become a novelty even, then when the next person embraces Islam or the people or he assimilates, I think there's a sense of loneliness that actually doesn't exist because he's still part of the mosque. He's still part of the classes. He's still part of the community. He's still going to the Friday prayer, but he doesn't get the attention that he previously had. So I feel that maybe any loneliness that came to me or I see it in other people wasn't actually real loneliness. The brothers were still there. The people were still supporting me, but this, the, the attention that I received um, that was wrapped up in an idea, which is a correct idea, but maybe the way I looked at it was incorrect of Islamic brotherhood. We, we have one Quran, we have one, uh, the, the, the prophet we follow is the final prophet. Uh, we believe in one God. We are one Ummah. I think sometimes the people, um, they think that is, disappears when the attention isn't the same. So uh, I feel loneliness maybe doesn't come at the start, but it comes, it can come at periods during a person's journey. And we find born Muslims experience the same thing. Yeah, I guess I can understand what it is that you're saying. Basically, at the beginning, everyone is excited. Everyone is, you know, wanting to educate you, spend time with you and sit with you and all of that sort of stuff. But once they become too familiar with you, I guess that dwindles down. It's exciting when, when someone, for example, you're a born Muslim, you go to work with, you work with non-Muslims or you go to school with non-Muslims. And, you know, there's, there maybe there's been a barrier because you don't drink alcohol and people you know drink alcohol or you don't eat certain foods. And then someone who once was living that opposite lifestyle becomes one of you. It's really, I know it's for myself. I get so excited when I see someone embrace Islam. Um, so sometimes our, ex, our excitement can be translated in different ways. You know, so a new Muslim maybe thinks is this the Islamic brother, brotherhood that will always be there? You know, people buying books for you and, and uh, you know, buying, you know, what is termed as Islamic clothing for you and taking you to restaurants, halal restaurants in Ramadan. You know, you, you go from house to house in Ramadan because everyone wants to invite you for iftar. And then when that uh, novelty runs out, uh, the, some uh, new Muslims, they think that the brotherhood is gone. Where in reality, the brotherhood hasn't gone. Just the excitement of you becoming Muslim has maybe dwindled down, if that makes sense. All right. So, Shahid, can you relate? Does that sound familiar to, to you at all? Yeah, I, I think that's a good... Um, if, you, if someone experiences that, it's good for them because it brings them into the community. Some people don't have that window where they get to feel, um, you know, that, that, that valued and they get invited to all these places. So that doesn't happen to everyone. It is very important that that does happen though. So I'd say I had the same thing, just like you caught the wave and then that's it. You're in and you're, you're visiting people, you get invited, especially when you're single, you're a bachelor and you're looking, you just like, go, you just go where the wind goes, no problem. Someone, you don't even know where you're going to be the next day, like who you're going to visit, who you're going to bump into, what's going to happen. So it's actually good to bring you into the community and get to know what's going on around different uh, neighborhoods and things like that. And yeah, it just, it's, it's a good feeling. 
But then you get, you settle down later on, you get married, you start to slow down a little bit and you start to establish yourself and take on responsibilities and whatnot. But I find that's a very a good way to start is to be involved with the community, to have that connection. That's what I think a lot of new Muslims, if they don't have that, they may end up um, becoming isolated and maybe losing touch. So that's, that's a good thing that Isa went through and I went through the same thing. It is a beneficial thing to have as a new Muslim. In terms of losing touch, uh, one of the common things I, I tend to hear is that uh, new converts generally don't have that much to do during Eid because they're in some ways cut off from the community. They don't have Muslim relatives, obviously. So Eid is generally a time of loneliness for them. Uh, with someone like both of yourselves, it may not be the case right now because you're both quite established. But certainly in the earlier years, I'm sure that's something you can relate to. I can't remember. <laughs> what about you, I, <laughs> No, I, I see it happen. I do see it happen because for Eid, okay, the Muslim community, when it comes to Dawah and so forth, generally, for example, in Australia, um, everyone's included. But Eid, it's still a very family family orientated experience i believe for majority of the muslim families so if there's a lecture on the, the convert's not forgotten if there is a, a new book released someone will send you know an advertisement for it or you know mention it in a chat room or on facebook or something so uh if an international speaker's coming or something or there's a zoom class the convert or the revert is included but I think the Eid is still very family orientated. So people do forget. I honestly believe people do forget that the convert or the revert, uh, the new Muslim doesn't have a place to go for Eid. You see, sometimes you, um, you, I've, I've experienced where people, they've gone to the Eid prayer and a lot of the Muslim families or the born Muslims, they, they want to rush off after the Eid prayer because they're about to have guests or they're going to go to someone else's house and they're going to change their clothes and they're going to pick up a cake. And, and then you see the, the, the new Muslim, uh, the one who has embraced Islam, not from a, uh, from, a non, uh, from a non-Muslim background. What does he do? He doesn't have anything, he or she doesn't have anything else to do. So I definitely feel that the, the, the loneliest time, the loneliest time is actually the Eid where there is nothing for the, the individual to do. And um, because we do have, the Muslims do have their certain traditions and so forth, uh, I think we, we forget because we have to go to grandma's house and then we have to go to auntie and uncle's house and then, then the cousins are coming to our house. I think, yeah, this is the time where the people, even international, international students included, internet, not just uh, reverts to Islam, but also international students, that's a time when they're excluded and not deliberately, but just because uh, it's such a family event and it's, 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 it's such a culture of being a family event and, and it's been run a certain way so long that they are actually excluded. So what's the cure? What's the solution? I Do we need to make an, like a concerted effort to target reverts or converts and somehow include them on a regular basis? Or is there some other way you would recommend? Abdul Shahid said at the start, this is different circumstances, because I know, for example, reverts to Islam that are the introverts, when no one's calling them on an Eid and, and, and they actually, okay, now I can take a break because all these <laughs> Ramadan iftars that I, I had to, because brothers say, brothers, why did you, I gave you an invitation, you must come to my house. 
He goes, okay, on Eid now, I go to the prayer, I can go home, I can have a sleep. I, so I think it's really case by case and we have to really make a, an effort, born Muslims and new Muslims, we have to really look after each other. And I think we, yeah, what, okay, this person here, he wants an invite. What can we do to accommodate for him? This sister there, she wants to be left alone. You know, she, this is her, this is her day because she's an introvert. I think, yeah, definitely like Abdul Shahid mentioned at the start, case by case, effort needs to yeah. be made, but also effort needs to be made not to annoy people as well. <laughs> yeah, interesting perspective. I, I'm not sure I've heard that perspective before, so it's good to hear it. So question for Abdul Shahid. Brother Asa over here, he's been interchangeably, interchangeably been using the word revert and convert. Which yeah. one? Is it revert or is it convert? Which one do you prefer? It's a no-brainer. It's a convert. <laughs> All right, so you're in the convert party. Yeah, I know the people that say that. They say everyone's born Muslim, brother, and they want to quote the hadith, "Ma min mauludin illa yuladu al-fitrah," right? But the um, that doesn't mean the same. But the, I think convert is just the easy word, and it's just it's more universal, I'd say. <laughs> revert, then you have to explain what does that mean, revert? You know, so convert. Revert generally means that you go back to something which was worse as well, right? Linguistically, at least. Yeah, I just say convert overall fits yeah, best. Yeah. But for oh, me, so, I don't so like you're this uh, word. Sorry, anymore. go ahead, bro. bro. I was going to say, like, because it's been, I've been Muslim most of my life, so I don't like to be called these names anymore. It's more like um, uh, I'm Muslim, that's it. <laughs> mm. Doesn't matter my background. And it's like, what's most important is our end, you know? Um, as long as we wake up and do the right thing, and stay on the right path before we die. <laughs> so even yeah. if you're a born Muslim, but, but that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. we know that, but the, at the end of the day, I'm saying after all these years, uh, East has probably had it a lot too. People would come up to you and just ask you directly, are you a convert or are you a revert? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Hi, how are you? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. It's like some people are a bit direct like that. And I was thinking, yeah. you know, so it, it happened. You get asked the question a lot. Mm. I've certainly heard, heard stories where reverts have they've been Muslim for 20 years, 30 years. They're still asked, you know, how is it that you became Muslim? And that's like the third question. And probably Isa could say that too. I tell people, um, when a person I haven't met before, I'll be going to Taraweeh or going to the mosque and things like that. And they'll, then someone walks up to me and they've got their look in their eye. And then they ask you a question. When they ask you the first question, you can tell what the third question is going to be. So when, as soon as they ask the first question, which is, brother, where are you from? <laughs> I know what the second question is. And the third question is, the second question is going to be, um, are you a convert? And then the third one is, how did you become Muslim? <laughs> so I don't know if, are you, when you well, hear they that every day. They don't confuse you for a Bosnian or something like that? Sorry, what was that? Confuse you for They don't what? confuse you for a Bosnian? Yeah, they sometimes do. Um, once I gave a lecture in a house to a community group, they invited me. At the end, when I finished, they said, um, any questions? And then someone said, ask him about how we became Muslim or something. Then they all turned around and said, what? This guy wasn't Muslim before. <laughs> like they thought I was Arab. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> so like, um, so you do get people that presume but yeah, I'm just saying it's natural. They, you can understand where people are coming from. So, so we know that. But I'm just saying we hear the questions so many times. And probably most of the time we give the people, you know, we try and give them a nice answer, you know, being kind to them, trying to encourage them, that type of thing, keep a good connection.
but sometimes you're not in the mood. <laughs> but mm. I won't say what I'll do, what I'll say when I'm not in the mood. <laughs> there, there are a number of um, a hadith, uh, or a couple of hadith with narrations which come to mind, which indicate that a Muslim should treat a convert or a revert greater status, basically. There is some virtue attached to it for obvious reasons. Is it a situation where we need to become more aware of these narrations? because we simply don't understand what it is that reverts actually go through. I mean, from what I know, when when people first become Muslim, they have all sorts of problems because of the family issues. They have, you know, uh, financial issues if they were in something which was questionable to begin with, you know, marital issues if they were married whilst they reverted, all of that sort of stuff. So does there need to be a different level of um, care and understanding when it comes to the revert experience? I think we don't need quick fix solutions. A man embraces Islam. See, I'm gonna use the word embrace because in my 20 years of being Muslim, if I say convert in a lecture, there'll always be a person who'll come and say, brother, you should say revert. And if I say revert in a lecture, <laughs> brother, you're a convert. A, a revert is someone, you know, and also then there's, like you said, reverting, you know, like this idea of, you know, reverting back to something that's not negative, oh, not positive. But I think quick fix solutions and not necessarily necessary. For example, you become Muslim. Okay, you should go study in Medina now. And if a sister becomes Muslim, okay, you should get married now. I think there needs to be um, yeah. a, a person a makes a shahada and then circumcision straight away. Say so, well, that's it. Well, I think there needs to be awareness, like you said, of the situation, like you said, first status, and also uh, the situation of the Sahaba embracing Islam and so forth, and these narrations and and historical events uh, surrounding people that embrace Islam. I think that there has to be education, both for the Muslim, and, uh, for the new Muslim and the, the born Muslim. Um, and also there's no quick fix solutions. For example, when, when you have a, a born Muslim has a, a problem in the family, the quick fix solution is not, okay, go study Medina or go get married. I think these kind of putting band-aids on situations, not necessarily, I think we really need to look deep into first, are there really problems or is it is this just a transition period? And if there are problems, what is a solution? Because even after the person, I know people that have gone overseas and studied, they've gone overseas and studied, they've done the, the, the piety and done all these great things, but after their six years of studying or after their five years of studying, when they've come back, they've still had to face those problems that they ran away from. And this is by going to study in Medina or going, getting us, you know, telling a sister to get married. What kind of problems? They still, okay, they still have to then face the family and say, I became Muslim. I've, I've left this tradition. You know, all the, you know, I, I, I no longer do certain things. And, and yes, uh, I've become what you think, uh, or I've become a Muslim and you have a certain perception of Islam that's not true. And now you think that I'm, so they have to face the music either when they first become Muslim or later on. Okay. For example, that they, they think the parents think they've become a terrorist or their parents think that even though they're not a terrorist or they, they have maybe some extreme ideology where um, they, they don't have any, uh, they, they don't see evil things done in the name of Islam as bad things, for example. So I think uh, if, if I can get to it, that, there has to be a conscious stand has to be made. For example, I don't worship Buddha anymore, or I don't, 
I consider Jesus a prophet of Allah and I don't pray to Jesus anymore. Whether they, that is said, or I'm not an atheist anymore. I actually believe there's a creator of the heavens and the earth. I don't believe, you know, this, 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 this atheist uh, ideology. It has to be said either, it has to be said sometime or at some time or another. So if, if it's done before you go overseas to study or when you come back, it's still, I've seen brothers come back from overseas and they've, 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 they've actually got kicked out of the house when they've come back from studying. Um, certainly I can think just on the top of my uh, mind, certain difficult scenarios that you guys probably face. I mean, what do you guys generally do when a relative of yours gets married in a church, for example, do you guys go someone's funeral, for instance, these situations, they seem to be common situations, which a lot of reverts seem to be asking about, uh, primarily when they first enter Islam, the first couple of years at least. So, I mean, have you encountered any of that as well? I don't know. Well, my, my brothers got married before. <laughs> uh, they're older than me. Um, I remember my grandmother passed away and I went to gave my respects and we went to, it wasn't a church or anything. It was just a, a place where the family gathered. So there's nothing wrong with that. I think at the same time, uh, just the family and condolences, all that stuff is natural. You have to be careful. I think um, I would say, just from my perspective, when I first became Muslim, I went um, as much as a, of a Zahid as I could. I tried to be, you know, everything, whatever the book says, I follow it. And whatever I think is the Quran and Sunnah, I tried to apply it. And I felt like I was a bit harsh at first with the way I was conducting myself. So that's something that could affect some people. Um, so I'd say use a bit of wisdom, be a bit more culturally sensitive to which country they're in, which, what the nuances are, what type of cultural norms, and just, you know, try and understand what country you're in and how things work a little bit, just to, to as long as you're not going to do something wrong, but I'm just saying, uh, don't go too hardcore when you're, when you're first, yeah. when you're a new Muslim. Well, that's a very good point. Do you think flexibility is something that should be stressed for uh, early reverts, you know, reverts that are very new into the religion? That's what I was saying. I think a lot of our Muslim brothers don't understand the, the usul of fiqh, like when it comes to say orf, the, that concept and the, the, the environment that you're in. Like if you go to all different countries, they've got so many different cultural norms that are outside of the religion, but they don't contradict the religion. So as long as people have a bit of wisdom in that sense, it'll be good. And, uh, but I would say a new Muslim, there should be, um, let's say if you know of a new Muslim in your area, then you might be the one to try and take them under your wing for a little bit, just to be close to them, invite them to your house from time to time. I know, I know um, some people, they invite new Muslims to their house because they know that they live in the area or they work at the same workplace. So they say, please come to our house for breakfast on Eid so that they're included. So it's, I would say that same advice for any Muslim who knows a, non, a, a new Muslim that's in their area. To, to, to make them part of their, you know, family to a certain extent. Not, not fully, but just to, to include them and ask them if they're free, they can drop by. But yeah. there's something I want to say too about the, um, the new Muslims, just starting them off. Big books are not good, I would say, in general. And this is part of the feedback I've heard from some Dawah organizations in UK who are more established. They would, rather than give a big book, which they used to do, they break it up into small booklets so that's easy to digest. So if someone's becoming a Muslim or they are a new Muslim, they should have a small, you know, easy to read because not everyone is academic, you could say. And even if they are, who's got time to pick up and read a book? Where are you going to start? So small books are very good to start with. Um, the mosques in Australia, I could say, maybe other countries too, they are not really welcoming. 
So for us, we don't, we know, we've got no problem. We can just go to a mosque and then we can go to any mosque and pray. But for a person who's not a Muslim or they're about to be a Muslim, looking at a mosque, they don't have any sign. Whereas the office, they don't know where to go. It just feels very strange. So that's something that mosque committees need to think about. How are we going to be open for the, the new Muslims or people inquiring about Islam? So it's, it's things like that we could say that the community needs, need, needs help. There's some other brothers too, they're from the Guide Me group in Sydney. They give new Muslims a contact so that they have information and also access to the community. So um, they asked me one time to help a guy who became Muslim in the country in Victoria. So they asked me to help him and, you know, give him some information and things like that. They would do that to all new Muslims they encounter. They'll say to them, um, they'll ring up the closest organization or that lives, that's, that's, that, that's what you say active and it's open and things like that. It would, they would tell that person to be in contact with that organization. So that what they do is find the closest center for you that can give you information about Islam. And then they would help that, tell that person to stay in contact with them. So that's, that's important, I'd say, but it doesn't mm. happen. So they say nine times out of 10 people turn back or they don't become, mm. they don't stay at the path and stay as Muslims because they lose that connection somehow. Yeah, I mean, that's probably something worth talking about as well. I mean, what is it specifically that makes a person lose that connection? Is it an understanding that, oh, maybe it's not what I thought it was, or perhaps the people are not as welcoming as they assume them to be? What is it? You know, are you able to put your finger on it? I'd say, like I said at the beginning, and probably Isa had the same thing. He mentioned about how you feel like everything, everyone's inviting you, taking you places because you're, you've got that. But if I, I don't see that the same as now. Um, I'm, that was in Perth, by the way. He was in Melbourne when he became Muslim, I presume, Isa? Yes, yes. I was in Perth and I just found different classes, different community groups, different centres. I pray everywhere. I got to know a few people from different areas and it became, uh, it was good for me to have that connection. I'd find in Melbourne, is that happening? Are the centers that active where some people go to the mosque, they walk in, no one greets them, no one recognizes that they're a new Muslim, and then they just go out and they just feel this coldness. So I don't want them to feel that. I wish I, wish I could advise people, please, when you become Muslim, go to this place, or this is the mm. closest center to you. Um, I don't know where, what to advise these days. Where do I send them to? Do you guys think that um, revert should be advised to study under a particular teacher or sheikh or something like that so as not to get into the situation where they're just reading books and trying to figure things out for themselves basically the the, the i think the the problem with that the problem with that i okay i believe that the reverts should be told who are the people of knowledge in their their city or their area of the city they should learn what they need to learn from that person or those people. But here's the problem. Uh, and I think back to this idea of telling them not to celebrate Christmas or don't do this or don't do these things. I find that sometimes, and this is, this is a, I find it a, a quite a serious problem. Sometimes the born Muslims and even the new Muslims that are a bit like us who have been Muslim a long time. We, and this can affect a new Muslims Islam and they can, they can see maybe that there's hypocrisy in the community. I had a person come to me saying, Oh, there's an event. My whole family's there and they're going to be drinking alcohol. And I used to always participate and so forth. And 
and there's other things happening there that I don't want to be involved in. And then my friends are telling me that if I participate in this, you know, I could go to the hellfire and all these kind of things. And, and, and I knew the friends, the friends, they're doing other sorts of uh, things that maybe they shouldn't do. But what we sometimes we do, we try to live our life through the, the new Muslim. I didn't get to go to Medina. So let's time to go to Medina. Or it's, we feel like it's our chance to enjoy the good and forbid the evil. But what actually happens is we're actually, we, we seem to be bullying these new Muslims. We, we seem to bully these new Muslims. And then they end up finding out that, yeah, we go to the, this event and we do this which is maybe not the haram that they were going to do, but it's a different form of haram. So then this kind of hypocrisy and the same thing where you say, okay, you should go to Sheikh Furkan's class. You need to learn your religion. And then he goes and studies one book and he studies another book and, he, and, then, he, and then he starts to reflect, okay, the guy who told me to go to classes, I've actually completed more books than him. You know, you know so I, I find that the telling people to do something that we don't do ourselves, even though, Yes, we have our weaknesses, and if, if, for example, if I smoke, I should shouldn't tell I shouldn't I should still tell people, let people know it's not allowed to smoke and so forth. But it's the manner we do it. I find that sometimes we we put this unnecessary pressure on individuals to achieve things that we are actually not achieving ourselves. And then after a year, when they realise, okay, I've cut myself off from my family. You know, I've, I've traveled like they told me to travel. I've done this. I've changed my clothing. I've changed my name. Wait a minute. Did I have to change my name? I didn't actually have to change my name. My, my name actually had a nice meaning and I can't even pronounce my new name and this and that. Then they start, they start, there's a, there's a resentful attitude. Like, okay, this person told me that I had to study this book and I had to memorize that and I had to do this. And then they're not doing it themselves. And they told me I can't go to that event. But then I saw them on Facebook. They went to their cousin's wedding and at their cousin's wedding, there was this and there was that. But because it was, you know, their culture, there's, there's nothing haram about it. But when it's my culture, everything is haram, you know. So I think uh, we have to, at the, at the very start, we have to explain to, yes, Islam is the correct way. But not all Muslims are um, good Muslims. Um, if you make a mistake, we repent to Allah. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that every son of Adam makes mistakes. So we, we, we are all going to slip up somewhere. The born Muslim and the not, you know, the the new Muslim, the sheikh, and the student, you know, everyone's going to everyone's going to make uh, mistakes. And uh, I think this uh, building a an idea of utopia for the for because we do this, we we build this idea of utopia to sometimes get people in the door. Okay, let's make you Muslim, and and we say, you know, when you become Muslim, you know, all your problems will go. No, no, there's still going to be problems, but now as a Muslim, you have guidance on how to deal with these problems. So I think sometimes to get the person in the door, we use these vacuum cleaner salesman techniques just to get him Muslim. And then afterwards when he has problems, oh, it's because he's lack of a man that he's pointing out the you know, inconsistencies or the hypocrisies or whatever. It's, it's a certainly an interesting, fresh perspective. I didn't see it see things that way before. So that, that's it. That's a different perspective from everyone. I think not everyone's at the same, same experiences. So that's, that's definitely hardcore stuff. <laughs> mm. So one of the things I got from that is that uh, flexibility is the key. Just being yeah. easy with, with people and just being easy with oneself as well. Even if, if someone I, I would has say to um, new Muslims as well. Don't give them too much information at once. Just give them a little bit and say, that's it. Next week we'll talk again. We give you some more information. Like yeah, let, yeah. Let it, 
and slowly. Don't try to say, and you've got to know this, and this is haram, and don't do that, and do that. Just don't say much. <laughs> Just Here's a question. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, controversial, but there is an element of passion which people have when they first become religious, when they first discover Islam. And this is amongst reverts, this is amongst uh, born Muslims as well. The difference with born Muslims is that they have family members who can sort of advise them and pull them out of stuff if they, if they become too overzealous uh, on certain issues, on certain topics, right? But that does not necessarily exist with reverts, uh, particularly if they have not been, you know, they're not married into Muslim families, they're single. Is, is that a genuine concern? I don't know if it's a concern. I'm thinking when, when Issa was saying too about the Eid, um, I was thinking back, how, how come my Eids weren't lonely? I remember that actually when I was uh, a new Muslim, I rented a house and then I had three bedrooms. So I had roommates move in, Muslims. And they were single as well. So we always had company. <laughs> That's what I remember back now. So even that having company, people around you, you kind of, you can balance things out a little bit. But um, I think it's natural, not natural, but you feel like you start, you found something so great. You're so happy and you feel so blessed to have discovered this way of life, which you didn't realize was, you know, so, so good when you, you like the years before that, when you discover it, you just really want to do your best. <laughs> um, so there is this stage where I said, like, I was like a Zahid. I felt like that just very simple, didn't have to do much happy with a little bit of money, as long as I can read my books, go to the mosque and do all those things, hang out with my friends and, you know, eat kebabs and things like that. It was all good. But, but I would say like, it, that was good. Nowadays it's camel burgers. <laughs> I still haven't had yeah. one. <laughs> I've had camel. Yeah, same. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think at the same time, yeah, you've got to have, some people to advise you if, if you're, but I can't imagine someone on their own just doing that, <laughs> coming to those conclusions. Mm. One of the things I've been so surprised about is, you know, there's a small number of reverts that I've met along the way, uh, very early on in their journey. And they've not only taken on this very staunch persona, very rigid interpretation of things, they're also getting involved in um, unnecessary activities like takfir and, and this sort of, that, that sort of stuff. Now, yeah, I think that's that. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, just by yeah. reading a few books, you could be like, "Yep," and then you wisen up over time. And then, wait a second, yeah. <laughs> you start to think because you're stuck in a little box at first. You start to mm. expand a little bit. You start to wisen up, and you realize that that was just, you know. But you, but even myself, I can see people, board Muslims, who are just waking up, and the way they're mm. talking and the way they're it's like as if you can tell they just started becoming Muslim, like practicing Islam within the last few months by the way they're talking. <laughs> that kind of uh, literalist interpretation. Oh, I just got one verse. I want to just focus on that one verse. And that hadith says this, and they're black and white. You know what I mean? They lack that mm -hmm. wisdom. I think there's also this attitude of compensation. And this happens also when a person makes a sin because they want to do a good deed. Instead of just doing a good deed, they have like a, a, a like a, a vengeful attitude where, okay, I actually fell into that sin because yes, I'm weak, but I need to blame someone. And sometimes they feel like, okay, uh, those people, those Muslims, they don't practice this around the correct way. And if we didn't have so much 
innovation and so many problems around it and so many, you know, people compromising their religion, then I wouldn't have perhaps made that mistake. So now I have to attack those people in order to uh, uh, first compensate for, you know, make redemption for the mistake that I've made, but also uh, so it doesn't happen again. And this is it comes with lack of education and, and like this utopian attitude. I really feel this, these things have a lot to do with it. So when it does come to reverts and converts, like there are stories which I've heard where, you know, a brother has been a Muslim for seven years, uh, something happens and then he goes back to his original status of unbelief. Now, you're probably in a better position than I am to suppose what is going on in this type of individual's mind. Like what, what generally occurs in these situations if they do occur? Uh -huh. It doesn't make sense because <laughs> it's like I can imagine someone losing their um, religion if they just became Muslim and they're still, they haven't got the foundation down yet. But seven years, that's a long time. Unless they were already, uh, they became Muslim when they're much older. I'm not sure if how the brain works. <laughs> mm. So I can't relate to that. That's weird for me. But I wouldn't mm. say it's impossible. We know that uh, people can, you know, they get affected dead or they could change their way of thinking or something is holding them or biting them like holding keeping them yeah i don't know what's going on in the head okay. really easier question is it is it difficult to to marry into a muslim family when you've got no family members of your own to represent you uh, and so forth generally speaking you know it's obvious that uh, you know, the families talk with one another and so forth but when it is you as a revert you're, you're left to your own devices and you're left to take care of things by yourself i think from my perspective it was easier so just being a, a revert or i a think convert. you're probably one of the few who, who <laughs> for who it was very easy for oh, come on i, 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 I remember the, the conditions of uh, how you actually were proposed to like yeah Isil was there. Yeah, it's yeah. the man who proposes but in your case if but, i serves you you were proposed to right? yeah but that's what i thought like it's it's easy it's just like um <laughs> you don't have much difficulty there's no he said do you know the story by the way i was there oh you were there okay so yeah, was i right. how come i can't I remember you you're on the books i think you were yeah the books. something like that something like yeah. that marriage look the thing is the thing is that depends what attitude we've built in the revert as well depends what attitude we're built in the revert as well if 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 uh if i ever have a couple come to me and ask me uh, tell me they have marriage problems i find a lot of the times couples they you know they hit each other they bring this a and this hadith and so forth not and physically. I, yeah i mean not physically you know it's, it's a tennis match and I, I usually i usually i usually say to them okay are your parents still married yeah they're still married okay whatever they did good to stay married do that whatever you know are they not married whatever they did that got caused them to get divorced don't do that look if we uh we have this kind of once again we we make if we haven't made the community utopic we make marriage utopic uh, you know she has to be like this and he has mm. to be like that and and we but as like uh, as oh, so the born muslims they don't have that kind of thing like you mentioned the families meet and the families discuss i think this one suits this one and you know mm. and so forth but then when we tell the revert okay it's time to get married you know you have to marry a girl like this and if she does that then you you can't be married to her anymore and and i think uh we have to have a a more realistic attitude uh, when it comes to uh because i think revert's fine 
they find people to marry. They do find people to marry. But when it actually comes to marrying and staying married, I think there needs to be better education. Dr. Shahid, something I'm curious about, you, mashallah, tabarakullah, you have uh, kids. Do, do your kids even care that you're, you, you're a revert? Do, do they even care that dad, you know, he, he was once not a Muslim, he's, now he's a Muslim? Does that even come up at all? Uh, to tell the truth, um, I haven't asked them, but I'd say... <laughs> I, I pretty much, it was shortly after high school that I took that journey. And so the journey started in high school. So it was like, I felt like that's it. I pretty much, there are these, those years before that. But even my friends in high school, they were Muslim and I was doing the same things as them. So it wasn't like, um, I just felt like I could have been like any Muslim who grew up. So, but there is that, that thing that they know that my dad is like, he's a, I teach, I'm an Islamic studies teacher as as well so there's that kind of i don't know that but i have definitely have to ask them to see what they know they, they say for sure but i do presume presume that they have that kind of understanding yes mm. so uh, one thing i'm very curious about is how did you choose your name how did you choose your name Abdul Shahid? yeah well like you just said too before you don't have to change your name but that's what everyone was saying oh you're a muslim now what's your new name what's your muslim name <laughs> but but I was sitting on it for about two months. I was like, I'm not going to choose a name yet. Wait, guys, just wait. And then I was, uh, I was listening to names. And then people were saying, you know, the best names are these with the, the Abd in front, Abdullah, Abdurrahman, things like that. But then I was like, yeah, well, I want to get a name. Let me wait. Let me keep waiting. Here are the lists. Because all the people in my community, when they become Muslim, they become a Yusuf. <laughs> and that's in Perth. So all the new Muslims are Yusuf. <laughs> Back in the 90s, I mean. And so I was like, yes. true, true. but I heard people saying the names of Allah. Okay, let me keep this thing to other names of Allah and I'll, I'll call myself Abd something. And I wanted something unique. So I chose Abd Shahid. And the Shahid is mentioned 14 times in the Quran, just in case someone comes up to me, just in case someone comes up to me and says, which they do. <laughs> <laughs> you say, you know what, I, I get that as well, by the way. Like, you know, I, I, they, they, they say, you know, your name is Furqan. Have you memorized Surah Furqan? Uh, I'm, Googling, I'm Googling now how many times Isa has mentioned the Quran. I have to now keep up with that. <laughs> no, but your name is not con not controversial, but I mean, there are people saying there's ikhtilaf with my name because they say Shahid is uh, the people that die in, in the cause of Allah. But then I don't realize that the word shaheed, uh, the majority of times the way it's used in the Quran, is as, as the original word means witness. And as shaheed means the all witness. Allah is the witness over all things. So it's one of Allah's names that people fail to understand. They say, you can't be Abdul Shaheed because shaheed is a martyr. <laughs> so that's why I educate people with yeah, my name. So I feel like maybe I shouldn't have changed token that name, but too late now. <laughs> You've got a middle name as well, right? Um, uh, an Islamic sounding middle name as well, correct? Memory serves, you told me that once. Yes, Muhammad. <laughs> I, yes, I like that story, you know. Have you heard this story, Isa? No, I haven't. No, okay. I, I asked him why. I asked him why. Why do you have a middle name that is Muhammad? What was your response? Do you remember your response? Can you tell me? Is it something to do about my identity? <laughs> yeah, he said, he said, and I was very impressed by this. He said, it's so that when I go to the airport and it says Muhammad in my passport, they'll know I'm Muslim. Yes, I like that. Yeah, I, I felt like when you're the first year as a Muslim, you feel so blessed, so happy. You feel like, I want to tell everyone I'm a Muslim. 
you want you want to share with everyone, even on the bus, the person next to you. So it's not about Islam. <laughs> it's like you feel like it's, it's like um, so. It just felt like that, and I want a name to reflect that to say like so they don't get mistaken. They they, they might think Abdul Shahid. They don't know that's an Arabic name, but at least my middle name it will convince them like yes, that's a Muslim name. You can't uh, mistake that. I I didn't change my name by law. I didn't change my name by law, and oh. I thought if I was going to, I would put. I would definitely put Muhammad in the name as well. I did think that. But Isa, mashallah, th- th- there's an obvious reason as to why you probably chose that name. You want the story? Is there a story? I didn't there know there is. was a story. There is. I was at band practice, a band <laughs> practice, and uh, we had a break. And uh, one of the members of the band said to me, oh, like he had this kind of, I don't know, Greek, this mythical kind of thing, like idea that, oh, I bet you Allah wants to kill Jesus, you know, like they're like two, like these two warring gods or something like in some, some sort of anime cartoon or or something or some Greek mythology or something. Anyway, so I said, actually, um, we believe as Muslims, we believe in Jesus and we didn't actually practice the rest of the band practice, even though we had hide this space because we, you know, for band practices, we would hide these spaces that are soundproof so we don't disturb neighbors and so forth they actually have they actually have practice rooms to do that so so for the the, the we'd have this we had this at at the mid you know uh, at halftime we'd have a break halfway through the session and grab a drink go to the toilet whatever you have to do have a bit of a chat and stop practice like stop practicing like do something other than band practice just the, and then go back to it and be fresh the last hour or last two hours of practice so we're discussing like my Islam came up and, um, and actually I had a, I had a, I had a nickname and, you know, and they, they started putting X at the end of my nickname. So it was like, like, like Malcolm X. And so yeah, yeah, I remember that actually. So, yeah. So then, um, then, uh, so there was, yeah. So there was a discussion like Allah wants to destroy Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I said, actually saying, no, no, actually we believe in Jesus. And, and then I, so I had this kind of attitude. If I call myself Isa, then people say, what does that mean? And I get to have this conversation about Jesus, you know, which it hasn't really happened. <laughs> but, all, but also there was a lot of pressure from the, I felt an enormous amount of pressure from the Muslim community that I had to change my name. And like mm. for a long time, I never opened up that I didn't change my name by law. I was like, because I know other guys that did it. So I was like, okay. I can't let people know that I haven't done that because, because oh, wow. I felt yeah. like if I let them, I'd be, I would let them know that I haven't changed my name by law. I'd be a lesser Muslim or something like that. Yeah. That, that's an interesting point. There's community expectations from what you, you guys have explained is that there, there are a lot of expectations, which people, for whatever reason, they seem to place on converts. You know, as you mentioned, they're probably living vicariously. Uh, they're trying to achieve things that they didn't weren't able to achieve themselves. Maybe it's a type of overprotectiveness as well. But there seems to be a theme of people not living and letting live, if that makes sense. Hundred percent. Change your name. Study Medina. Get married. Get. Get. I don't. I. I was. I gave a talk, and uh, and this was this talk was eighteen months ago, and the first question was, "Are you circumcised?" <laughs> oh, no. And then I said to the host, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> and then, then. It seems awfully personal. <laughs> well, in front of 400 people, it was quite personal. And then the, the question that came next was, or the statement that came next was, if he's not willing to answer that question, 
and if he's not circumcised, we can't take knowledge from him. It was like I said, I'm out of here. This place is uh, it's a different, it's a different ball game here. People ask questions that they wouldn't ask. Like I generally say, for example, okay, would you ask your parents that question? Would you ask, uh, you know, your brother or sister? You know, we sometimes we our brains turn off when it comes to you know celebrities or famous the you know fa the famous uh, scholars of Islam. We start or even and reverts to Islam. Sometimes our brains turn off. We ask questions. Um, like what, like uh, Revert sisters constantly complain. People come to them and go, what was your hair? What's your hair color like? Like you wouldn't ask any born Muslim that question, but wow. because she, or do you have a photo of, like sometimes you see it on the YouTube, they put a the photo, oh, this is her convert story. And then somehow they get a photo of her before her, her, her hijab and so forth and without permission and so forth. So this is a question, you know, um, did you have boyfriends before Islam, you know, and, uh, this kind of things that kind of people don't want to, did you drink alcohol did you do drugs you know things that are inappropriate you wouldn't and i tell people okay would you ask your parents these questions or would you ask your grandmother these questions you know would you ask your brother and sister these questions you know try to make put it in perspective it's it's yeah. just because that person just because that person maybe had haram factors in their life previously it doesn't it doesn't give you permission to, to then open up and ask them about it. and that's why abu shaheed mentioned the very very start about the convert story i kind of say okay how did you embrace islam i met good muslims and they were able to introduce me to islam because there's certain elements of the story that are personal that's my business and i don't mean to be rude in that sense but there's certain things that happen in my life that i need something like uh, it's that's the biggest decision i've ever made in my life Okay. And so even if there's nothing like sinister behind my story or there's nothing exciting about my story, it's still something very personal. So um, it, it, I think we have to, for the revert, we have to let them have some sort of, not secrecy, but let them have, some, let them keep something for themselves. They don't have to give you everything because you don't give them everything. I mean, one of the things that seems to be coming up is just dealing with the difficult nature of the community, the people within the community. And both of you, at some level, you work in fields of Dawah. You know, I know Abdul Shahid is a teacher. Isa, you do your various lectures here and there in your classes and so forth. You, in some ways, you're both in the spotlight. And I would imagine come across also with a lot of, you know, difficult members of the community in general. I, I would imagine that makes, that would have made things even more difficult when, when you're embracing Islam, you know, quite early on into the religion, you're new to the religion, and then you have to deal with very difficult people as well, perhaps. I just became the difficult person. <laughs> so I go to the mosque and go, there's no difficult people here. That's because I am the difficult person. So uh, I'm noticing Shahid is very quiet. He's, he's not saying anything in this regard. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just reflecting on Isa. He sounds like he's been through a lot. <laughs> he's had a lot, I mean, lot of experience. <laughs> Well, but, I, I know um, people have been through a lot worse experiences. Exactly, been, yeah. and and it's a blessing for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that that um, that you know may Allah help us. We've 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 all had difficulties, mm -hmm. but you know that, that's I actually had a conversation just uh, twenty four hours ago with, uh, or more than twenty four hours ago about this issue about how, for example, Islam is open for everyone. It's it's a and uh, the masajid everyone's welcome to come into the mosque 
and sit in the classes and pray. And, you know, Islam is an open religion. So that um, sometimes open, also opens the doors for people who have personal agendas to come in and, uh, you know, inflict their agendas on us. So the, I do sometimes, for example, generally, okay, if I see a new Muslim in the mosque, I uh, introduce myself, get to know them a little bit and try to make them part of the circle that I am in. Like, for example, if I, if I sit with certain people after prayer and discuss things, I include them in that. Like, I don't just, I try to uh, assimilate them into the community as soon as possible. But if I, if I see a person, you know, uh, maybe uh, attaching themselves to, to the revert and after when prayer finishes, you know, shuffling them out with them straight away. And I sometimes I actually, I actually do ask what's, I do ask what's going on here. What's the relationship here? Because I don't, I, I, if he's already part, he's, he or she is praying with the community and, you know, involved in the community in the sense that, you know, after prayer, they're not sitting by themselves. Someone's talking to them and something, then someone takes them aside. I actually, I actually do get involved because sometimes those difficult people, it's the difficult people uh, taking them aside. What I mean by that is the mosque has already had enough of them. Okay, you're difficult. Stop, you know, stop complaining about the color of the rug. Stop complaining about the time of the prayer. Stop uh, complaining about the length of the class. You know, that person, everyone's told them, stop being difficult. So then they start being difficult. Like I get, I sadly, I get reverts telling me about the problems or the alleged problems in the mosques because that difficult person has attached themselves to them and started saying to them, oh, you know, you know, the imam is like this and the community is like that. And they start Ramadan like that and this and that. Yeah. So I, I, if I do see difficult people or, or what is perceived as a difficult person, latch himself to a new Muslim, I would definitely get involved. I will get involved. <laughs> okay. Good. Easter goes on a tire right? And we just go, yes. Okay. Interesting. Because <laughs> you don't want you don't want a new Muslim. You don't want a new Muslim having, okay. At a, at, in a mosque uh, where we have limited funds and we have limited resources and sometimes we have heated discussions, you know, and that, and that happens within the committee and it starts at the start of the meeting and it finishes at the end of the meeting and everyone goes back to their normal lives just because we want to get, we want to maximize our time. We want to maximize our funds and our, and, and our resources. There's no need for a, a new Muslim to know that, you know, Brother Muhammad had an argument with Brother Ahmed about should we fix the wudu area or should we fix, uh, uh, you know, or should we extend the car park? Or, and then and then we go and tell the new Muslim, oh, look, this is, look at the fitna between the community. And, you know, it's just, it's just nonsense. Why, you, why, why involve people in things that you wouldn't, invo you wouldn't involve the average Joe in it? You know, it's just, Not just that. I imagine it's also the other sectarian issues and things like that, that, you know, we don't agree with this group and, you know, they involve them into the politics as well. But that, yeah, that's the avenue. That's the avenue. Okay. We don't mm. like, we don't like the, we don't, for example, the Imam of the Masjid, he studied at a different place to our favorite Imam on YouTube. Mm. So what we do, we need, we need a way to get the new Muslim to not like that Imam or we mm. find that, we find the new Muslim because what I what I when a new when someone embraces Islam, I ask them, "Where do you live?" Okay, I live in uh, Craigieburn. Okay, 
let's open up Google Maps or let's open up the internet and let's find your local massage. Oh, mashallah, you have three mosques around your house. Go, go check them out. Enjoy the mosques. And, you know, I, I tell exactly. a new Muslim to go to his local mosque. The thing is, some people don't like that. So what they'll do is, this, oh, brother, I noticed. And he's, he knows the Muslim is praying there because he's going to these other places too. Oh, brother, don't go there. You know, the imam, he studied in this place. And, and, you know, the committee wants to do this and the imam's against that. And people just, people give their money for the sake of Allah. And the imam's making things difficult. Oh, but they don't really care what happens with the committee or the mosque. They are they're looking for an avenue where, where to enter, to push some sort of, you know, sectarian idea that they have developed in their head that doesn't exist actually in the community. May Allah help us. May Allah help us. Am, yeah, may Allah help us. We're basically an hour into this, and uh, I think it's a good place to sort of wrap up and get prepared for Mother Prayer as well. Yes. So moving forward, you know, given everything that we've discussed, is there something that you could leave the listeners with? I'll start with Shahid because he's looking a bit bored <laughs> over there just by himself. No, I was listening to Isa, everything. It's like, mm, it's interesting what's happening, you know, and it's good that he's involved and, you know, keeping an eye on the new reverts could see if they need the help. I like what he said about let them explore their area. There's three mosques in your area. Go to all of them. All the mosques are for us to go to. Um, we shouldn't have that feeling where you're attached to some kind of a cult or a, not, not that there are cults, but the, you don't have that feeling where you're stuck and you're loyal to that one area because all the Muslims really, it should be feel like one body. You should have some connection somehow. And the more connections, the better. So that broader way of thinking, you want them to have that and get the benefits of the community and be part of the bigger community. That's important. The other thing is um, speaking about with people that work with new Muslims, part of the feedback they got from them, not all, but a lot of the feedback they got is some of them didn't feel comfortable becoming Muslim in front of a big crowd. Like there are things like that. Mm. And I find that... I won't say which mosque, but I've seen it a few times where they say, this guy, he wants to become Muslim. And everyone's like, mashallah, like just after Jumla. They, they get the camera they, out, like the phone. and Everyone's got their cameras out. But the <laughs> thing is, got, they say, repeat after me. And then they say the Shahada. And they say, he's a new Muslim now. And then welcome. And then everyone wants to hug him. It takes about half an hour <laughs> because it's full cast. And everyone wants to hug him for some reason. So that's something that we have heard some like feedback. <laughs> Look, when you're a new Muslim, it's like, I'm not really used to this, guys. <laughs> but the thing is, <laughs> but we don't mind, but the thing is, it's not really... Uh, Social distancing. <laughs> yeah, good time to become is, Muslim now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the general thing is, like, um, they not all Muslims like that. So they, they may feel like they're pressured and they have to they do what you ask them to do. But ideally, just need a few people from the committee to be sitting there, maybe just a group of people to witness it, welcome them in, and then slowly introduce them to the community. But I'm just saying, it's not always... But what I found was it works good for the Muslim community where they all feel, yay, a new Muslim. We feel happy for that person. And they feel happy. But then where does that person go the next day? You don't see him at the mosque. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's the main thing is we have to focus on the new Muslim, give him the help they need, welcome them in community, and um, yeah, give them the first introduction to... Like maybe the mosques mm. in the area, part of the community, get them involved a little bit, get them, mm. show them around, invite them to your house. Yeah, I think that's very beneficial. Basically, I think the lesson in that is that uh, we should not be using reverts as a tool to sort of attract attention. Clearly, it seems to have an effect on people to the extent where it sort of rejuvenates 
their their passion or their zeal or, or their commitment towards Islam, even if I could say that. Yeah. Uh, it excites them a little bit. And but, we should not take too much advantage of that, basically, because that, that, uh, there's all, also the considerations of the, the rebirth himself. I was going to say quickly on top of that, just yeah. like, fine, I'm just going to say the some brothers from that particular Dao organization, um, they said that they've contacted mosques where they saw on the video, someone filmed the person becoming a Muslim. So they contact that mosque and they say, please, we've got a dawah pack. We've got a pack to give that person um, to start them off and to read and give them some basic information. Can you please give us their details? And they say, oh, we didn't take their details down. So there's also, that's the other thing about mm. mosques. They have to um, not just help them become a Muslim, but then they have to make sure they've got some contact details with that person. I saw experience yeah. where a, a young man, sorry to interrupt you, a young man, he asked, he asked me, can we not film this? Because um, it was his, like the mosque was so close to his house. So he kind of just thought, okay, if it's going gonna, it's gonna to get out and he wants to be the one to tell his parents. He wants to be the one to tell his grandparents. He wants to be the one to tell his siblings and so forth. So he asked, can it not be recorded? And I, and I mentioned the people, please don't record this. This is, this is not to be recorded. Then I saw a person put their phone up and I said to him, brother, can you not record? He said, this is my right. He goes, how many people can embrace Islam by seeing this video? Well, mm. the thing is, I know a person that left Islam or at least mm. left the community because he, because of, because cultural reasons, he, he, he comes from a background where Muslims are not, they're seen in very, very bad light. And people were actually boasting about, oh, one of your people became Muslim. And it caused a lot of tension in the house, his house where he was living with his parents, where he, he left the Muslim community because the Muslim, he was upset with the Muslim community because he wanted to tell his parents on his, like he's, take, he's, he's made this big step to becoming Muslim. He wanted to tell them I became Muslim on his terms. But oh, nice. the Muslim community, no, they, they wanted to use it as a slap against the other community. And... Yeah, so he distanced, distanced himself from the Muslim community because mm. the Muslim, he felt betrayed. Like he made one request, please don't, I want to be the person who tells those closest to me. And they, and they felt, no, no, we're, we're going to tell your community for you. <laughs> so I think we have to be considerate. We have to be considerate definitely that, that when someone becomes Muslim, that they might have some serious challenges. They might have to, you know, even be, they might get kicked out of their homes. They might, uh, they might lose uh, they might have to quit their jobs because of certain elements of their workplaces. And, and by you, you guys, just a stranger, you know, posting them all over social media and so forth. They, they might, they might not even have social media and you're posting them on social media. They're not, they might not be ready for that. So I think we have to be really considerate. Another thing, uh, this was my final word, inshallah ta'ala. I think sure. we need to, we need to ask the non-Muslim, uh, the new Muslim, what do you want? Because a lot of the times we tell them how they should practice Islam, you know, what they should do. But very little times we ask them what they, what, what do you really want? I asked the person once, what do you want? He said, I want to learn how to pray. Good. We'll teach you how to pray. What else do you want? No, that, um, that's, that's what I want. You know, if I, if I can pray to God, I'm happy with that. You know, not everyone has to become, you know, Shaykh al-Salam or, you know, these kind of things. I think we have to, instead of telling, yes, there are certain things we have to teach them. There's certain things they need to learn, but we also have to listen. What, what do you want? Okay. You became Muslim. What do you want as a Muslim now? Okay, I want to learn how to read the Quran. I want to 
uh, know more about the Hajj. I want to, you know, we, I think we, start, we have to give just as much as we think we need to give. We have to find out what they want. And I think this will, this, this helps a person be stay Muslim because he, he came, he or she came to Islam for a certain reason. They're inspired to come to Islam. If they don't have that, then it's, a, it's an avenue for them to leave the religion. So if someone comes and wants to become Muslim, okay, now you're Muslim. What, what, what do you want as a Muslim? Oh, I'm just happy, you know, to be in the community. Okay. Let's make you part of the community. Oh, I want to learn how to read Arabic. Okay. Let's give him that. I think we need to give a lot more. And, uh, and through that, the direction will come, inshallah. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair for a very thorough answer. Jazakallah khair was very useful. Hayakumallah. Just one last thing I'll ask of you both. Uh, for the audience, for the listeners, what is a memorable or favorite verse from the Quran that you would like to share? I, can, I know Surah Al-Buruj at the beginning. I was a new Muslim. For some mm-hmm. reason, I opened up the, is it the Muhsin Khan translation? Surah Al-Buruj, I had the story of uh, Al-Ghulam, Wasahir, the, the boy and the, and the magician and the king. So it was like, I read that story and I was like, that's amazing. So it made me memorize that surah first. Before I, before I memorized Tabat Yada, and that's much shorter. Of course, many years later, I started to realize Tabat Yada is so powerful. The way it was revealed in Mecca, the way you understand the Sirah and all that, and then what that verse came down about the prophet's uncle, it's like that's still mind blowing till today. But what I'm saying is when I'm a new Muslim, I didn't see that. I didn't understand all that stuff. Surat al-Buruj is what's, what was a, a great story for me because it was more like a previous nation who went through their trials in religion. And that always happens. So for me, it was, that was my first, say, favorite story to start with. <laughs> the boy, oh, yes. story of the boy and the king. Yeah. Yourself, Isa? Before Islam, um, I was really, uh, I really, and I still do, alhamdulillah, uh, ayat that are in reference to the revelation of the Quran and the, the guidance that the Quran brings. Um, as a Muslim, uh, one of the, you know, one of the early surahs I memorized was Surah Al-Qariyah. And, um, and the reason I liked that was the concept of um, those whose good deeds are heavy and those whose good deeds are light. Like this, is, this was very important to me because I was, I was having maybe, like I want to do everything perfect and so forth. And I, I but when I read that, I realized, okay, the, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but at least your good should outweigh your bad. So I, like before, yeah, I memorized Surah Al-Qariya before that because I was mm. attracted to that and so forth. But still, to, like even still today, the ayat and, uh, that really grabbed me are those that are in regards to the Quran being revealed and also to the guidance that the Quran provides. These are really, these are, these are really for me special. These are special for me, alhamdulillah. Okay, thank you both for your time. Uh, it was very useful and educational to benefit from you in this way, especially when I haven't seen either of you for such a long time. We haven't been together as, I don't, I don't know the last time, actually the three of us have been in the same room, like actually we're together. Still not, like we're still not. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw Easter face to face. When was that? <laughs> I remember actually, yeah, I think I know the time, but the time before that was in Medina of Mashallah Tabarakallah. My memory was in Medina. That's, uh, I can't remember after that. Maybe in the, ho- maybe the hospital, I saw you. 
maybe you came yeah, and visited it was, yeah would have, would have been very brief but um yeah <laughs> but the problem is we live so far apart now like and none of you guys come visit this side so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't now it's a hot spot yeah. it is it's the epicenter right now so <laughs> stay may Allah help us may Allah help I pro us. promise yeah. to come in the future inshallah uh, <laughs> yeah. all right we've, we've got to record it isa <laughs> wait, 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 wait. we've we got have... a recorder he's going to visit us okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait are you you recorded that i want to visit you too is that what you're saying yeah, yeah no yeah we've got a recording my my, uh, my, my internet's faulty i think there's a connection okay. problem okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, forgive us yeah i can hear it too that's um, no, for a con i i can hear it too <laughs> <laughs> no worries. uh it's good to catch up with you guys you know may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless your path and Amen. continue to be Amen. a source of blessing for others inshallah Amen. Salaam alaikum bros. Amen. Salaam wa rahmatullah. Thank you. Alaikum salaam wa rahmatullah.